joining us today at the NICPED Adapted Physical Education Collaborative. This is our second year in our first session. So we are very excited to have you all join us. So if you are not familiar with the NICPED AP Collaborative, we typically go for one hour and we host these once a month. And the typically we have two speakers each will speak for 15 minutes. Our first speaker today will be David Geslack. He is here to, to represent the autism exercise specialist with the um, ACSM. And then we will have Kelly Bonner speak for 15 minutes on the inclusive fitness trainer certification from NICPAB. And after they are done with their presentation, we will do 10 minutes of question and answer. So we'll open it up to our audience. So this presentation is live right now on the NICPED Facebook uh, website. A big shout out and thank you to our NICPED sub, um, membership subcommittee. We have Danielle Musser, who is the Colorado APE Conference Director and CAPE Certified. We have Dr. Andy Pitchford, yeah, who, who's currently at Iowa State University, but will be joining Oregon State University in January. So congrats to Andy and Oregon States. We have Heidi Ambrosius at Moreno Valley Unified School District and um, adjunct professor for CSU San Bernardino. I'm Dr. Melissa Bittner uh, at CSU Long Beach. And we have Lainey Case, who I need to update that, my bad. She is now at Chico State. So thanks again to our membership subcommittee. Without further ado, we will go ahead and introduce our first speaker, David Geslack. He is the founder and president of Exercise Connection. And as a fitness coordinator at a school for children with autism, uh, Coach Dave experienced firsthand the challenges of teaching exercise. And by understanding that autistic students learn differently, he developed a system that's become you know, really a breakthrough in effectively teaching exercise using you know, several different evidence-based practices. Uh, many universities, including ours here at Long Beach State, have incorporated his program into their uh, adapted PE or special education programs. And as a pioneer in the field, uh, Dave has given many insightful and inspiring presentations seriously all around the world. <laughs> he is a published author, writes autism and exercise research articles, and has created the award-winning Exercise Buddy app. So at this time, I will pass the baton over to Coach Dave. Welcome. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. I know many of you through just working in the past and, and yes, some of you using our programs were obviously very thankful. Um, I got introduced to Nick Pede, uh, yeah, Nick Pede, I think it was, it, it was many years ago through uh, Megan McDonald. And to be honest, I know there's a lot of higher ed professionals and APE professionals here and, and you guys kind of embraced what, what me and my team were trying to do. And, and I was nervous, but because I don't have an adaptive PE background, uh, my background is exercise science. I'm a, a degree in health promotion. I'm an ACSM certified exercise physiologist, as well as a strength and conditioning specialist, and just happened to fall into working with autism 18, 19 years ago. And the long story short is a dad brought me a son and he said, 
can you teach him sports, but he also, he can't skip. And I was more intrigued in the skipping piece because I had learned in my undergrad that a neurotypical child who could skip could read better than a child who cannot. So I used the strategies that I learned as an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Iowa football to break down the skipping pattern. And I was able to get him in, to skip in four sessions when I had come to find out the parents had been trying for years. So that moment not only impacted his life and his family's life, but it changed my life and my career path. Fast forward 18 years now, there is no question in my mind that the APE teacher, the PE teacher, developmental therapist, the OT, the PT, they all played and we all play a role in helping these kids physically and, and cognitively and emotionally develop. But there is no question that they all played a role. I did just teach him differently and I just came from it from my in some you know we would say a different perspective and, and looking at him and his movement patterns differently so that's that's how I fell into it and you've kind of heard already what I've done thus far so I am here uh, to talk about the autism exercise specialist certificate which began in 2018 with the American College of Sports Medicine I no joke chased the CEO the then CEO around the country for years educating about not only helping this community, meaning the fitness world, but also telling him about what some schools, not all schools, were, were essentially failing our children, and meaning that they weren't offering adapted PE or quality PE or adapted PE programs. And as many of you know, we know that a lot of physical or adapted physical education professionals don't get the time or the professors don't get the time to teach them all that they can or and you I I've come to learn right you guys are challenged with meeting various different levels of the curriculum so this this is something that I wanted to do not only to help the fitness world but hopefully even help other special education professionals not just the PE and the APE world and we were able to do that this course wasn't just built by me. This course was built by me, Amber, a former special education teacher, and Mary, who is also uh, not only a school-based physical therapist, but also a mom of a child with autism. So we had a very diverse team, again, put this content together. Um, and you can see the, the certificate review professionals, one probably many of you are aware of, Dr. Poletic. But one that I'm excited about that's doing some research, not just with our products, but more importantly, exercise in general, is also Laura Bassett, who's a associate professor of special education, and she's a BCBA. So I think that's just great, again, that she's doing research on exercises and intervention in that ABA world. So who qualifies to earn this certificate is obviously the fitness professionals, but really the as I push and educated ACSM is really all the special education professionals. I've, we find that about 40% of the people right now earning this certificate are physical or adaptive physical education teachers. <clears throat> now, just so you guys know, over the last couple of years, we also, the 
students in these respective majors can also earn this certificate. And Dr. Bittner, Scott, um, Sean Healy, Sean Healy and Scott McNamara also did a research study on our modules. That's the first portion of the course. And, and I am not in the higher ed world, but I think the 0.031 and the 0.001 is good stuff. So it's all positive. But now Scott and Laura Bassett, they're, I think they're in the process of submitting for an, another research study on our, on, or excuse me, on the workshop portion. So we're very excited and thankful for that. So it's a two-step process to earning the certificate. Um, the first step is the online modules. That's always been the case. Five webinars with exams, two research studies, and this is valued, uh, two research articles, excuse me, with exams. And this is valued at six ACSM CECs. Now I say that because in ACSM, one CEC is equal to one working hour. And then we did adjust. It was always, at, it started as an in-person workshop. Due to the pandemic, we adjusted to make it virtual. It really challenged us as an organization to create content and keep everyone engaged. But I'm happy to report we've had great surveys and it, it did challenge us uh, to to adapt the ex or to adapt the content. So we, we've added more case-based learning virtually, but we also now in our in-person, it's a lot of case-based learning. And again, this is valued, oh, I missed it there, but it's at six CEC. So in total, the students or professionals are getting about 12 hours of education. Over the years, we've now, for the fitness world, we've had this approved by these various fitness organizations. Many, some of you may be familiar with the two in the bottom right are CanFit Pro and CSEP. CSEPs, uh, those are in Canada and CSEPs like the ACSM of Canada. Since we started, we've had these universities host the workshop and like Wisconsin and Oregon State and Texas Women, their graduate students have earned, made this a part. And I believe they're also a part of a federal grant that you guys know more than I do, but they've, their graduate students have earned it. As well as this summer, we're, their University of Kansas Autism Research Team, their whole team went through the course. I'm really excited about to share this with you is that Aurora University, a smaller university outside here of Chicago and uh, Western suburbs, this is officially a university course. It's a one credit hour, eight week blended course. They take their modules. And then on the final week, we come in and do the workshop. It's offered to the students of those respective majors, PE, exercise science, and therapeutic rec. The course is paid by student or financial aid. And it's a block payment system, which you guys probably know more than me, but Basically, what I was told is students not, uh, they're not paying more if it doesn't put them over their 17 credits. And Aurora, the Aurora professor is the instructor of record for the university. Um, side note, you guys, if you look at what, if you Google and look about what Aurora is doing for those with autism, it's incredible. Um, they have a whole dorm for these students, and they're really pushing it. And it's my understanding that the president is, I think it's the president or the dean um, is personally connected, but awesome stuff that's happening there. Um, 
we're excited that uh, Ball State uh, will be hosting a workshop. It's, it's hosted by the Department of Special Ed, the School of Kinesiology. The University of Michigan is uh, now going to be hosting a workshop in 2023, as well as Wisconsin Lacrosse. It'll be their second workshop for their graduate students. Over the years, we've had school districts and international organizations. Um, Senia and Singapore, uh, Sports Singapore host the workshop. We've probably chained almost 200 people between Sports Singapore and Senia alone. And almost to wrap things up here, if you're interested in hosting a workshop, I just wanted to walk you through that process. Um, obviously, remember, all students or professionals have to take that in-person workshop or the um, online modules. But then we would come in and do a one-day workshop that's typically from 8 a.m. to 3.30. We typically like to have a minimum of 20 students or professionals. And one way to offset that, because I know sometimes universities don't have that many students, or maybe it's a funding challenge, but most of the universities have said to make this workshop available to their community professionals, right? Whether you're PE, OTs, or fitness professionals. And really, we like that because we have just that diverse group all learning and that case-based learning and, you know, breaking them up in these groups. And quite frankly, right, sometimes the PTs, the OTs, and the APE teachers don't get to work together in the IEP, or it's they only meet in the IEP and then you know, they just don't get a chance to collaborate. So it really gives that opportunity for students, even in those practicing, if they're in those university programs, to learn from each other because that's real world stuff, right? They may have to work with each other once they graduate at some level in their respective profession or specifically in the schools. We need a lecture room with projector, tables and chairs. There's an activity area. And then we always provide lunch and a light breakfast. So again, that is, I know that was brief. If you have questions, and we know there's time set, but again, we're excited uh, for the opportunities that we're able to provide many of these students and professionals across the country and across the world. Again, we know, um, and we're excited too, that what Dr. Miller went through with the course and what she saw given her background, but that they, uh, the University of Michigan will also making this a part of their offering for their students. So I appreciate it. And uh, I'll take your questions after Ms. Kelly goes. All right. Thanks so much. And I'd like to introduce Kelly Bonner. She received her undergrad degree in fitness and health promotion from Samford University and her master's in exercise physiology from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. She has over 20 years experience working with individuals with disabilities throughout numerous programs in her work at Lakeshore Foundation and NICPAB. She's a certified inclusive fitness trainer through ACSM and has a passion for designing inclusive workout programs. She joined the NICPAB team in 2012 following the transition to Birmingham, Alabama. She was previously an adjunct professor in exercise science at Stanford University and coached track and field for students with disabilities. It is our pleasure to welcome Kelly, who will be talking about the Certified Inclusive Fitness Trainer. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction and happy to be here to get today to join you guys. And I have to say, I'm not as familiar in this space. As you saw, my background is exercise phys. Um, and so I typically run our fitness sector in our work. So you guys are probably more familiar with my colleagues, Alex Martinez and Penny Edwards, who work with you guys often, um, but they, they handed the baton over today for me to talk to you guys about the CIFT. So I can get into it. If you guys aren't familiar with NICPAD, we're so sorry for the acronyms. That is our life. It's the National Center on Health, Physical Activity, and Disability. And so we are a grant funded by the CDC. So the CDC funds two national centers and then 10 states through this division of the CDC. And the other national center is Special Olympics. And then they obviously are designated and funded to work with intellectual disabilities. And then our designation is, is mobility limitations. So we're a resource center on physical activity, health promotion, disability, serving individuals across the lifespan and with any type of disability. So we would provide inclusive materials regardless of whether it's just a mobility limitation intellectual as well. We have a ton of resources and services offered on our website and we have an e-learning site. I know we've done trainings with you guys before and have put together videos for you guys. So we have a pretty big YouTube channel with thousands of videos of, of how to adapt exercises or include kids with disabilities in it. Uh, we do cover the lifespan in our work. So some of it would be tailored towards, specifically towards youth with a disability, and then some might be for different age spans as well. And we just think that the work is so important because so many, it's the people with disabilities are the largest minority group in the U.S., right? So one out of four individuals in the U.S. have a disability. And so when we talk about education or for the CIFT in the fitness space, when you aren't serving people with a disability, you're just missing out on a huge potential client pool for, you know, who could be in your facility and paying membership and all that kind of stuff. And all of you as APE teachers, would know this space. So right during, actually during the pandemic, uh, we were asked to create a survey to find out like, what does it look like right now? What is the current uh, feel out there for people with disabilities in participation in the fitness center? And it, and it wasn't very good. So we did this study uh, our director did a study very similar to this about 20 years ago, and not much has changed. So in our study, we found that 81% of people with disabilities say they do not feel welcome in a fitness space. Uh, so that's that's a huge number, right? That's not like 50%. That's not like, oh, a couple people don't feel excited. That's like almost everyone says, I'm not going to a fitness center because they don't know what to do. And when you look at the rest of the statistics, we saw that 73% said they don't believe fitness facilities are accommodating, so they're not inclusive, they're not accessible to them. 90% of participants don't believe fitness personnel are adequately trained. That is the CIFT in a nutshell, right? So 90% of fitness professionals do not know how to serve individuals with a disability. And then lastly, 84.3% do not believe fitness programs are inclusive of people with a disability. So by program programs, you're looking at like silver sneakers or a spin class or, you know, like a designated like kind of curriculum going into that. And so that's, that was really the emphasis and the purpose driven behind the CIFT. So we created the CIFT initially 
in 2009, a very long time ago. Uh, so the initial version of it was created before I started working for NICPAD. But uniquely enough, NICPAD used to be located in Chicago. And they came, I work at Lakeshore Foundation, our offices are at Lakeshore Foundation, which is an Olympic and Paralympic training site. And we operate similar to a gym, like a YMCA or a Lifetime Fitness, something like that. But you have to have a disability or be a member, a family member of someone with a disability or a chronic condition in order to be a member here. Uh, so we primarily serve people with disabilities across the lifespan. So when they, when um, NICPAD, when NICPAD created the certification, they came to Lakeshore to pilot it. So I did get to pilot the very first version of this CIFT. And just this past year, we've created a new version. It's not out yet. It's still waiting on the legal side of things. It has been created, but not out yet. But basically, um, the certification just exists so that we can change those numbers, right? So that those stats change. And 10 years from now, when we do that survey again, it'll look a whole lot different. So similar to what David said with his certification, it's a specialty certification, which right now means that you do have to have some, there are some qualifying conditions to be able to sit for the exam. For ours, you either have to have fitness certification, so like a personal training training certification or a bachelor's degree in fitness or APE does count, but a lot of them don't count right now. So like uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, those are not qualifying undergraduate degrees or graduate degrees for to sit for the CIFT. So if you did fall under one of those, you would just need to get the physical training, their personal training certification in order to sit for the exam. It is an ACSM exam, but it, you do not have to have an ACSM personal training certification to qualify you to sit for the exam. So some of the other ones that David put on the screen earlier are ones that would qualify you. So ACE is one that like you can have a personal training certification for certificate through ACE and then sit for the CIFT through ACSM. So they do, they're doing a good job to work together um, just because, right, the, the goal is knowledge and translation, right? We want people to know how to serve individuals with a disability. And so the more we can get that information out. When the new CIFT is released, I believe those qualification, qualifications will change a little bit and hopefully uh, be a little bit broader so that more folks can sit for the exam. Uh, we also also work in the university setting, not officially through ACSM, but uh, on our website at nickpad.org, you can find, we call it CIFTU, because <laughs> we're all acronyms. Uh, so the CIFT University, and um, if a professor reaches out, I can give them the tools that they need to conduct all the material for what they would the students would need to sit for the exam so they could have the powerpoints and some other kind of resources that would go along with it just to help them if they want it it's kind of like a course in a can and um, they just have to kind of sign a release saying that you know they realize that it's the who who the uh, ip is but so those are two different ways that you can do it so the exam content exists on acsm's website it's a six-week webinar that you can take we made those 
PowerPoints and trainings, um, but ACSM holds them and that's where you would access them through. We also do live trainings that can take the place of those six hours. So we, it covers the same information. So um, a little bit different from the autism certification to where it's a two-part. This one is kind of one or the other, or I mean, I guess you could do both if you want to make sure, but we can do an, uh, a live training for folks. Uh, we typically require about 50 folks in the training. Similarly, we ask the host usually to open it up to the community to make sure that they are, you know, getting enough folks in the room. If it's not 50, we're not exact, but then we would conduct all the training. You would get 10 CEUs through ACSM, 10 hours of training hours to be able to apply that towards whatever your certifications are. Um, and then at the end of that, you would have the information you need to sit for the exam. Same information is covered in that six weeks webinar. So you could do it either way. And we have gotten to train some really fun places. I saw someone from Hawaii on here and we went to Hawaii like months before the airline shut down for the pandemic. Um, and so that was really fun. We got to do CAFT training in Honolulu. We've done them um, all over uh, Montana, Florida, Alabama, wherever. So we can we can go and do those trainings any place. And then, like I said, ACSM offers it. There's also a book um, that you can use to access it if you if that's the course you want to take. So the a lot of folks ask what's in the CIFT, like what are they learning? And the reason there's prerequisites is because it is a little bit heavy, not heavy, I will say, we expect that you already know the exercise phys component. And so if you don't have an exercise phys background, you're kind of, you might be a little bit lost when we go into like the physiology of someone with a disability and how it's different if you don't know, uh, you know, the basics of it from before that. So it does cover exercise physiology and related exercise classes or sciences like what how the body changes or like what that's going to look like in a fitness setting for their functions and systems and we do health appraisals fitness and clinical exercise testing um, so that's a big piece of knowing just the current limitations of exercise tests that exist out there that don't aren't verified using people with disabilities. So like, how do you do a test to find out someone's baseline for someone with a disability? Safety, injury prevention, emergency procedures, all of those environmental factors that come with having a disability, like not being able to sweat or temperature regulation, those kind of things. And then um, human behavior, which is kind of like basic counseling or mental health components, a very small piece of it, but basically like health coaching then it also covers clinical and medical considerations. So just the drug, primarily like the drug interactions of different, that are common in different disability types. And so, you know, like if they're on a beta blocker, what does that mean? If I'm, if I'm trying to get them on the treadmill and I'm looking at the heart rate to stop increasing them, then if they're on a beta blocker, I could cause some serious damage. And so just making sure that Every, you know, the fitness specialist understands how those drugs might interact with the exercise that they're doing. There's a large piece on the ADA and facility design. So just making sure the space that they're in is accessible to them and inviting to them so that we don't have those numbers again, like 73% saying those programs are not wanting me, you know, like the space is not accessible to me. Disability awareness is just the comp where we are right now. So as I mentioned, this current 
version was created in 2009. And so language has changed since 2009. And so has some of just the other advocacy pieces about disability. And so what's there is a little bit dated in language, but it's going to, the main points are still the same, like what not to say, how to refer to someone with a disability, how to engage them, those kind of things. And then the last one is probably the biggest piece of that exercise prescription and programming. So like the part everyone's afraid of, like, how do I work with someone with a disability? I don't know what to do. Uh, it really answers those questions and kind of helps them see like, you're just going to be creative like you are with all your other clients. And it's not quite as intimidating as some might think. So this is, these are the fees of the exam costs. So if you're a member of ACSM, it's significantly cheaper. We did work with ACSM to lower these prices because we didn't want the fee to be a limitation. And we were adamant that people with a disability could also access these trainings. So they are fully inclusive in every sense of the word that not only do we cover all disability types in the training, um, but we want all disability types to be able to take the exam themselves. Um, and we didn't want the cost to be a deterring factor from someone with a disability being able to sit for this exam. Standard price is just under $200. And then if you do have to retest, there's a it's, it's a pretty significant fee as well. So we're just going to get you to where you don't have to take a retest. But so happy also to answer any of your questions. Uh, I look, I'm excited about the new version just because it's a little bit updated and a little more practical application, I feel like, for folks. Like I said, we weren't all here when the first version came out and it was completely unheard of to have an adapted fitness certification um, back in the early 2000s, right? And so it was it was groundbreaking back then and now it's ready for, for a new face. Um, but happy to answer any questions folks have. All right. Thank you both to uh, Dave and Kelly for the presentation. Much, much appreciated. At this time, we will open the floor to any questions. Uh, Dave, could you give a pitch for when you are doing your um, next workshop? You said it was out in New Hampshire? No, actually, uh, I think the next one is in Maryland. And I think that's the last in person of this year, but we do have a virtual option uh, coming up in December. We've had, you know, I know we have a lot of professors here, but we've had a lot of professors kind of take it virtually and then go through the course, like uh, the professor from Michigan. And then, you know, she's, she wanted to offer to her students. And I think we, we try to keep that active demonstration going in a virtual in our virtual course, but it is definitely more impactful, more meaningful when we're working together in small and large groups, especially when we're trying to teach movement and breakdowns and stuff like that. Great. And Dave, if you wouldn't mind in the chat, putting a link to how to sign up to that worksheet or workshop. And sure. Kelly, same with you all. When is the next inclusive uh, fitness trainer workshop? Yeah, so our we only do ours by request. Uh, so if we don't get a request, we don't we don't initiate them ourselves. I got a request yesterday, potentially for one in Seattle, but we are open. And, and so, like I said, that's all on our website, and I'll, I'll put that link in there in just a second. Primarily comes through universities, occasionally not like some VA grants or other things like that might bring us in. But we are happy to do those anywhere and then look at other options as like who else in the community might be coming. So if, you know, Fitness Center only has a few staff, but they want to conduct a training, then they'll do it. So we we go by request and um, can 
to them whenever folks ask. Same with a CIFT university. Any university can reach out and, and get the slides. Great. And I suppose there's additional funds to bring in the whole team beyond the, you know, 195 per person who's not ACSM. Uh, to take the exam? Um, yeah, to like bring your team to the university. So, yeah. So unfortunately, we're completely separate from ACSM. So if we conduct the training, um, then you are like potentially hiring Nick Pad to come out. We don't typically charge for staff time, but you would like cover the costs of our travel and we'd work out a scope of work with whatever the organization is. And then the taking this cert, the exam would be through ACSM. So we're not the certifying body and, and don't have any control over that. However, some universities, since they're like Pearson View testing centers anyways, will make it to where, you know, they do our day and a half training and right after our training ends, they go and sit for the exam on their campus. Um, so it's easier, but yeah, the, they are kind of separate and separate fee scope and all that kind of stuff. If Great. you do and have I, groups, I'm sorry, I know that oh, I've been asked before, if you have a group, ACSM will work with them, I think. Great. If you could also put that in the, the link with regards for any higher ed faculty to, to bring NICPAD to do that workshop, that would be great to have that information in the chat. Right. Other questions? Kelly, I know that you mentioned um, kind of a background prerequisite in exercise science would be very beneficial. Is there any suggested readings that might help prepare? That's a great question. Um, the hardest thing, I think, when we get PE teachers sitting for the exam, I think the, the science-y part, to be super technical, is the hardest part. So all those exercise phys terms, particularly when it comes to like testing, that's probably what the pieces that they struggle with the most. If you guys are, are working with people with disabilities and you are seeing them on a regular basis, like I really feel like it is very basic knowledge and you are going to fly through the disability component if this is what you do on a regular basis. But it's those, those exercise science pieces, like what happens to your heart rate on certain medications and um, those kind of pieces that folks struggle with. And the book would help with that. The book definitely would cover all those and, and I, I just want to share too, you know, with the autism certificate is, look, we get this question a lot, well, it's just for autism. And many of you know, right, that the evidence-based strategies apply to others with like-minded or other disabilities that we're trying to teach them, teach professionals and teachers or, or students. But it, yeah, it definitely goes, or quite frankly, for even practicing PE or APE teachers, with even, I'd like to say the K through five range of those students, when you're adding structure, visuals, video models, and stuff like that, like, yes, it goes, it, the focus is autism, but it goes beyond that. So those are the things that, you know, aside from what Kelly and the inclusive fitness is doing, um, we, we are, my goal was always to start to provide, because this is happening if you guys don't know, in the fitness industry, which Kelly and I talk about all the time, there are people still trying to do these and they're all well-intended, but they're coming with no backgrounds and they're trying to, you know, they haven't, they, they just don't have the greatest of backgrounds, but they're trying to make a business out of it, which I can understand and respect. But this is why, quite frankly, the fitness world is still watered down today right? The people who are leading exercise classes are the good marketers, great, 
or other people that, you know, are working for Beachbody or something like that, but they don't have kinesiology or exercise science background. And it's a problem. So that's why I know Nick Pad, us at Exercise Connection, want to work with ACSM and to, pro to provide that quality education, not only to, to students, but to, to professionals and say, look, these are where parents and professionals, parents or caregivers need to go. Because again, while many of these other people are well-intended, the liability and the things that I'm seeing, it's disheartening. And we need to we need to do we need to do right by the, all individuals, able-bodied or not. And I see there's a question. Yeah, Kimberly. Hi. Yes, I was just uh, checking in, and I went to the website that David provided, and I was looking, and it said that you know you have to complete the coursework, the um, and that's it was the cost on that was 120, and then you're providing that virtual workshop for 350, and I was just wondering if once you've uh, have done the coursework in the workshop is that when you receive that certificate after those two yeah so good question some professionals can just decide look i'm just going to take the online modules and you you'll get a certificate of completion from acsm but it's not the actual certificate you have to do the two-part piece so you know right some people may think ah, eh, this is enough for me or maybe some people take that first part and say, you know, I, I don't want to be working with those with autism. Okay, great. You know, but yeah, so, but that is the prerequisite is, is earning that first part. I have another question, Melissa. Um, yeah. And this is for, for both Kelly and for David. Um, what kind of, I, I know that Kelly, you mentioned VA grants. Are there any other grant opportunities or sponsors that you guys have heard of for your programs that people have used to get like whole school districts certified, all the physical education staff? So VA is one of the biggest, we've never had a school district reach out to us, but that would be super cool. And I would love it because we would target it all to kids because it's more the fitness space. You know, it's typically folks working in the fitness centers, uh, VA grants, so since in the past, we've never charged for our services, only our, our travel time, folks will just call, uh, require a registration fee, pretty small. And then that registration, you know, if you have 50 people paying 50 bucks, like that pretty much covers our travel. So, um, you know, it's almost negating the expense. Uh, we've also done a virtual one once during the pandemic. And so that one was free and it was open to anyone. And that was partnered with ACSM because they could get, I mean, free, 10 free CEUs was pretty nice. So we offer disability state health grants, which as I mentioned in a CDC funds to national centers and then 10 states, those 10 states can apply for grants. And through those, we've done trainings as well. So it just kind of depends on like who the, who's in your area, like what state you're in, where those funds might come from. And to answer, Danielle, your question, um, I know like Oregon State, University of Wisconsin, La Crosse, there, and Melissa, you probably know, and I think Texas Women, they, they have that federal PEP grant. Is it a PEP grant or some sort of grant that? Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah, federal funded preparation to train adapted PE teachers through Office of Special Education, OSEP. Yeah, so that's how I that's how I know they're offsetting the cost of the university. One, before the next thing, just to answer your question too, is look, depending on the size of the group, we, we are, I work with ACSM directly to provide like a student discount. So just know that, or if we know there's a guaranteed amount, we try to work as best as we can 
uh, to reduce some of that. And then second, like the NYSA for Anne Arundel County, Anne Arundel County Public Schools in Wisconsin and those districts, they've either had budget for it or they've offset some of the costs for their professionals. Maybe they've paid, I think it was like the modules or or some of the fee and the, the professionals got, you know, had to pay the rest. Same thing though with those districts, depending on how many professionals that they knew that they said they can guarantee that's where we were able to help reduce some of that um, fee for some of those practicing teachers and districts. All right, real quick, any final questions? Just really quick, I just had a question for David with regard to the timeline for the completion of your program. So forgive me if it's on the website, I just skimmed through it briefly, but just as far as getting both pieces of that certificate, finishing both, is there a timeline to complete both? Is there a time frame you have? Yeah, typically it's a year, right? Excuse me. Taking the modules within the year, you want to sit for the certificate. There was some leniency due to the pandemic, um, but we're kind of getting back on track to that. And just so you're aware, again, it's valued at six ACSMCEC, those online modules, which will take you about six to seven hours. It's self-paced though. You don't have to sit there for seven straight hours or six straight hours and do it. It's self-paced. You can come back. You have unlimited times to pass the, each exam, which is 15 questions. Um, that's just ACS and protocols on, on that side, but yeah, so that's how the, the modules work. Self-paced, about six hours to complete. All right. Um, thank you both. Our next NICPED APE Collaborative, we don't have the specific date and time yet. We know it will be late October, but it will be the, the bookends in APE, as I like to refer it to. We're going to talk about preschool and post-secondary transition. So we will have Heidi Ambrosius. Uh, on to discuss preschool adapted PE. Uh, she is in Moreno Valley Unified School District in California. And Steve Egricks from School District of Holman in Wisconsin. And he will talk about post-secondary transition. So again, that information will be coming soon on the uh, specific date and time. And I also know, since we've got a minute or two left, Danielle uh, Musser wanted to Give a quick pitch and update about uh, the Colorado APE added authorization certification. Yeah, so Colorado is in the midst of getting additional endorsement um, added um, for APE. So that is super exciting. The final comment on this legislation is um, due by Friday. So I will add into the chat. Oh, perfect. Melissa beat me to it. Um, so if you believe that having highly qualified teachers leading adaptive physical education um, is important to you, I please, please, please use the links to, to write on there your thoughts on that, because that will help us get that additional endorsement in Colorado that potentially has led to people not wanting to come teach in Colorado as APE teachers, because you don't have that additional endorsement on your teaching certificate in the state. So hopefully we can help change that and get this legislation passed as soon as possible. So we get that added endorsement. We really appreciate you guys um, doing that for us. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, again, this will be on the NICPED Facebook page now, the, the live recording, and this will be a future podcast in the What's New in APE.
So thanks all for joining. Hopefully you can come back again for the next session on preschool and post-secondary transition. And much, much uh, appreciated to our speakers, Dave and Kelly. Thank you so much. All right, till next time. Bye all. Thank you.